This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Are calling for 44 million tons, down almost 14% from the USDA forecast of 51 million tons. Planting progress in Argentina is just over 4.5% for soybeans and 28% for corn. Rounding off prices at the Chicago Board of Trade, soybean futures are lower on Friday morning. The January contract is down 2.5 cents at 12.43.5 per bushel. December soy oil is virtually unchanged at 60.88 U.S. cents per pound. December soy meal is unchanged at 3.30.90 per short ton. Corn futures are higher on Friday morning, with the December contract up 3 cents at 5.66 per bushel. Chicago oats are lower, with the December contract dipping a half cent at 7.10. Wheat futures are mixed on Friday morning. Chicago December loses a nickel at 7.67. Kansas City December drops 7 cents at 7.83. And Minneapolis December gains a nickel at 10.43. That's a look at the ICE futures and the Chicago markets for Friday morning, October 29th. For a Markets Farm in Winnipeg, I'm Glenn Halleck. When it comes to baling, the denser, the better. Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John can show you how roll-belt round balers produce denser and higher quality round bales that drive down your production costs while driving up the nutrition of your bales. A competitive comparison showed that New Holland roll-belt round balers provide savings in net wrap, transportation, and lower storage losses. It's like being able to afford a new baler every other year. Stop by Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John soon to learn firsthand about the benefits of roll belt round balers the opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station if you've missed any of this show you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca now an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community this is moose talks with your host doug craig on moose fm good morning and welcome to the program A little later on, we're going to catch up with Bo Hedges, the captain of Team Canada's men's wheelchair basketball team. Uh, He, of course, is from Fort St. John. He was here recently doing a little event over at Burt Bowes where he showed people the sport of wheelchair basketball. They're also making a documentary about him, so there's lots to chat about. He, of course, just played in the Paralympic Games as well, so that'll be coming up at about 15 minutes' time or so. But first, we chatted a little earlier on with the North Northern Health Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. John Kim, on the topic of circuit breaker restrictions, rapid testing, and higher vaccination rates and lower case counts in the North. Here's that conversation. All right, Dr. Kim, we're into our second week of new circuit breaker restrictions in Northern Health, and there's been some confu- uh, some confusion about what's allowed and what isn't with the uh, the new announcement. Can you briefly remind us of what's changed from the previous orders that are in place? Uh, thank you very much, and uh, and thank you for inquiry about uh, the new order. Uh, new order did come out kind of urgently to respond to the very significant pandemic situation that impacting the healthcare system across the north. So maybe before going into details, like uh, one of the key difference in the new order compared to old old order is the kind of objective. 
like uh, the old order also intended to decrease kind of transmission, uh, but the, it tried to achieve that by targeting some of the high transmission kind of area. The new order, it does kind of look at the high transmission area, but it reflects the situation that we are at the very high points of pandemic. And uh, so the aim is actually targeting any area of a kind of transmission and try to reduce transmission as much as possible, as quickly as possible to get the, the our healthcare system and the community out of the kind of crisis pandemic uh, that we are currently in. With that, there are additional restrictions as to compared to previous uh, kind of order. One of the major feature is that the expanding the kind of vaccination requirements across the events and gatherings. So in the previous kind of order, there has been some restrict, size restriction as to personal gatherings mm-hmm. and uh, mostly require safety plan requirements uh, for the uh, kind of events. Now for the most kind of gatherings and uh, personal gatherings and events, we're asking uh, kind of vaccination. So if it's your kind of a personal gathering in a private residence, uh, you first need to look at like, your household. So everybody who is vaccine eligible in your household uh, are immunized or not. And if not everybody in your household who are vaccine eligible are immunized, we're asking you to not to have uh, the personal gathering inviting additional people outside your household or additional household. If if everyone in your house who are vaccine eligible are vaccinated, then you can have a personal kind of a indoor outdoor gathering. Uh, we have a further size restriction uh, though. So in a indoor gathering, uh, up to five additional people who all need to be uh, immunized if they're vaccine eligible and all one additional household, or if it's outdoor gathering, uh, we are asking uh, the further size uh, limitation. I, I apologize that the exact number is just escaping my head. Uh, so I believe it was 10, to... Dr. Kim. Sorry, yeah. So it's outdoor personal gathering. It'd be, it'd be up to 25 uh, people. Ah, Thank you. Yeah. I see. And for, and for the event, so it's some kind of organized and it's not in a private kind of residence and uh, in, a, in an outdoor gathering. Uh, so that we are is asking for most uh, kind of events and uh, event settings, uh, the vaccine card to be applied. So every all the people coming into participating in those events, I can check for the, the, the full vaccination along meeting the vac- group of vaccination requirements at for the provincial vaccine card uh, kind of program. And the we safety plan is continued to be required. And we also put the additional kind of size limitation. So if, for the indoor gathering, it's up to 50. Indoor events, it's up to 50 people. The outdoor events, it's up to 100 people. Uh, some of the new features of that kind of order is that uh, for the worship services, uh, so we are asking that kind of in-person gathering at the place of worship uh, to be stopped uh, for a duration of this uh, order, which is to be expired on November uh, 19th, mm-hmm. and uh, the virtual services only for that duration. For the sports, uh, there, there are already some vaccine uh, required requirements in um, many of the spectator sports events. Uh, so in the regional order, we are asking the vaccine card requirements for the spectators as well as the participants, including players, athletes, coach, and volunteers, and so on. And uh, we we also applying that the children use kind of sports. Um, to apply the vaccine card. Uh, if that sports is taking place in school uh, for the 
the youth and children uh, with the youth and children players, then the vaccine card is not required for the players who are uh, youth and children, and for the spectators and volunteers and older participants, vaccine card apply after age 22, so that students and so on can uh, can come into the meeting, come into the kind of events or kind of volunteers. Uh, the, at the provincial level, uh, you heard a new announcement. They move into the full capacity. In the northern hills, we're keeping those uh, sporting events capacity limitation at 50%. Okay. And for the restaurants, uh, we expanded the vaccine card requirements to those restaurants uh, or food services without the table service, including fast food. All right, Dr. Kim. I want to talk about the sporting uh, question again for a quick second. So as I understand it, sports outside of school, everybody involved now has to be vaccinated. The spectators, the coaches, the players, the, the officials. Is that correct? So if it's a youth and children sporting event, so the players are under age 22, so include the varsity kind of a sports, mm-hmm. uh, the players do not need to be, uh, do not require to show the proof of vaccinations. But the all the other participants, like spectators, like volunteers or coaches, uh, over the age kind of 12 uh, need to show the proof of vaccination. I see. And for the adult sporting events, yeah, all that uh, participants and the spectators should, uh, over age of 12, need to show the proof of vaccination. Okay. We've heard this about swimming, too. Is it very similar for uh, people who are uh, watching their kids take swimming lessons? They have to be vaccida- vaccinated if they're a spectator. But uh, is it the coaches, the, uh, the kids? I guess the kids don't have to. Uh, oh, I guess a better question. What's it like for a situation where it's a swimming instead of a you know another sport? For the swimming, one part is that uh, if it's a swimming pool and it open to the public, mm-hmm. uh, they are not included in the provincial vaccine card requirements. It's open to the public; people come in and utilize. So for part, for that particular component, we continue to exclude the swimming pool with the vaccine card requirements as long as there's no events or gatherings mm-hmm. for the events and gathering at the swimming pool it is youth and children program so it's a that it's a kind of class for the youth and children kind of kind of swimmers taking the lessons and so they are excluded under our order so that the the all other kind of after hour after school extracurricular or youth and children uh, kind of programs are excluded from the order. So such that type of swimming lessons or class are excluded from the uh, orders. If it's a kind of adult swimming uh, kind of kind of program, uh, then that will be uh, uh, subjected to the vaccine card as per the um, as per the, the provincial vaccine card program. It pays a spectator event, so it's a kind of swimming competition with uh, uh, people coming in to watch and so on, uh, like a large crowd coming in to watch. Uh, then it will be come under that uh, sporting events and the requirement related to spectators and the participants. All right. Well, thank you for clearing that up. Um, I want to ask about rapid testing quickly. I know this was something that came up with the uh, Chamber of Commerce recently. Um, we're still seeing a bit of turnaround time. It's it's better than it was. Uh, but, you know, sometimes people are waiting 24 or 48 hours for testing. Uh, that can cause problems with worker shortage and stuff, staff shortage, as it were. Um, what's kind of how's that looking for the future? Is rapid testing something that Northern Health is looking at or are you expecting it to get better with less people needing to be tested as we kind of move out of the pandemic slowly? 
I think there is a one part like what we need to do during the pandemic and there's another part what might be expected to do during endemic kind of COVID-19. I think in endemic COVID-19 it, it's a, a bit too early in the Northern Health Talk uh, to planning too much on the endemic COVID but the, we're hearing some of the discussion at the provincial level and so on there will be less testing expected uh, uh, during the endemic COVID-19, which means that a lot less susceptible population and we're expecting the impact of COVID-19 spread will be much more limited. Mm -hmm. So in such cases, I'm ex I expecting uh, that the testing will be much less required. During the pandemic, I think the focus will be what we would consider as high-risk areas. So there is a, there is a congregated uh, kind of workers in the congregate living settings and working uh, there. So it's a large uh, kind of the resource or construction project and so on uh, that uh, will be the priority for the kind of rapid testing and uh, kind of such screening. And the Northern Health has been working with the major industry projects uh, partners, uh, including BC Hydro and LNG and so on, and, uh, and their program uh, for the screenings. For the smaller, uh, for the smaller uh, kind of employers at the, which might be interested in the kind of rapid testing for their uh, employees, uh, I think there there is a conversation at the provincial level with the BC Chamber of Commerce, and uh, and I do not know the detail of that kind of conversations. Uh, one thing is that that the, for our kind of business partner is that the, if there is a, something they can implement through. One part is kind of symptom screening. Another part is that the better support for the kind of sick days so the workers can report if they're feeling unwell. So then we can support them getting tested uh, through our community systems. Uh, it, it does cause a bit of a kind of delay, and uh, but uh, at, I think at the current situation, that might be an option. And if there is a further progress at the provincial conversation with the BC Chamber of Commerce and what rapid tests might be available for the uh, the local and smart business uh, in our communities, uh, that uh, we watch for that. And but the one thing to uh, ensure in such cases is that the, how the testing at the business uh, will then report it to the health kind of healthcare system so that those people who are tested positive are properly connected. And we might look into option like, uh, especially some of the larger business or industry that if they have occupational health or medical service providers, that service is looked in. So there is a timely kind of management uh, for those people who screen positive. All right. Uh, one final question before we let you go. Um, we are seeing vaccination rates climb up slowly. I think we're at uh, 76 percent with the first dose in Fort St. John. 64, 65 is the second dose. It's getting better. Uh, we're also seeing cases, uh, cases slowly go down. So I wonder how hopeful you are that, uh, you, know, you know, that the first of all, the circuit breaker restrictions are working and that uh, this might be uh kind of the last time we see this because of vaccination rates going up and whatnot. Are we maybe finally starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel on this and and further restrictions maybe not being needed in the same way in the future? Yeah, thank you. I think the Northern Health overall, we are seeing that the we are not seeing the further growth of the cases. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, it's a bit too early to tell at the northern region overall whether there is a decrease uh, in the cases started happening. Uh, but the, we are seeing the uh, uh, kind of stopping in the growth of the cases. And uh, we, we are hoping that this 
that this is a signal that we might have reached the peak and uh, and hoping to see the decrease in the cases in across the region soon. Uh, but there's still something to watch out for. And what in terms of that kind of restrictions, I'm I'm hoping that with this circuit breaker and we actually see a significant reduction of cases soon. So by the time we reach that kind of four weeks mark from the implementation of that order in that November 19th, we can actually lift that order. But we have to see how how effective and how much reduction in the cases, uh, in the burden in the healthcare system we see. Going into the future, I I hope so. I, I think we are continuing to learn like what level of immunization might be needed for us to be free of all community restrictions or whether there's gonna be some mixture of a reasonably high immunization, some minor not to inconvenient restriction as well as continue to watch for the variant and uh, whether there's additional uh, the measures including uh, a kind of additional vaccination might be needed. So to, I, I think it's time, I, we don't need to be pessimistic, uh, but the, just continue to watch how situation continue to progress. All right, Dr. Kim, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. It's Dr. Zhang Kim. The conversation I had with him earlier, he, of course, the CMOH with Northern Health. We'll be right back to chat with Bo Hedges next on Moose FM. Do you have some good news you'd like to share with the community? I've got good news. We here at Moose FM know that the news has been bleak lately and want to spread some positivity. Whether you're fundraising for the SPCA or saw some kids selling lemonade in your neighborhood, we want to hear about it. Email us at news at moosefm.ca and we'll share your good news right after the 7.30 news and online at moosefm and energeticcity.ca. Good news brought to you by Frontier Law. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey, it's Dave. And Jacqueline from BC Hydro with an energy saving and binge watching tip. Instead of streaming through video game consoles, use the apps on your smart TV. Get ready to binge save. Is that even a word? It is now. Get more energy saving tips at powersmart.ca. There's always something going on in the Energetic City, and the staff from the City of Fort St. John Recreation Department have planned a variety of exciting programs and events. Here's what's coming up. Enjoy a Halloween-themed story walk at Matthews Park from October 25th to 31st. Explore one of Fort St. John's favorite parks and dive into a Halloween adventure. Just follow the trail and read pages as you go. For more information on this event, view the Recreation and Leisure Guide at fortstjohn.ca or follow the City of Fort St. John Recreation on Facebook. Hi, this is Ted with PIMS Production Equipment. If you're noticing your office phones are sounding quieter and maybe experiencing excessive background noise or static, if you're ready to reduce your business's phone bill, contact PIMS to modernize your phone system. You may be paying for more lines than you need. PIMS business phone systems feature mobile extensions, auto attendant, voicemail to email, and lots more. Usually the savings on your phone bill will pay back the new system within a couple of years. Let PIMS help modernize your business with the efficiency, productivity, and the crystal call clarity of switching to VoIP. Call us for a free quote, 250-787-0808. As a lover of all that original recipe deliciousness, you spend a lot of time at KFC. So why not get paid for it? KFC in Fort St. John is now hiring for a variety of positions. Whether you're looking to meet new people, need some extra money for the upcoming holidays, or you're saving for a much-needed family vacation, KFC offers flexible hours, part-time and full-time positions, and most importantly, it's a fun place to work. Join the team at KFC. Apply in person with your resume today. KFC on 100th Street in Fort St. John. 
Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. But now... Uh, Fort St. John's, Bo Hedges is the captain of Team Canada's wheelchair basketball team. To chat a bit about his life in basketball and a new documentary being made about him, I'm pleased to welcome Bo Hedges to Moose Talks, who joins us now from Toronto on the phone. Bo, how's it going today, sir? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes to join us. So I kind of want to start at the beginning of this journey for you, way back when you first tried and and started out in wheelchair basketball. How did you get into the sport? What uh, kind of piqued your interest in it? Um, So when I first started out, uh, shortly after I had my injury, and uh, wheelchair basketball was kind of one of the more accessible options for for us to get some chairs in Fort St. John and uh, once I got in the chair and started playing uh, I like the contact you kind of there's a lot of running into each other and then the other piece was that uh, my brothers and uh, family and friends all could come and play and we were able to play sport again together and that was a big uh, huge piece of like kind of what drew me into the sport and that team aspect. Mm -hmm. Were you a basketball fan before your injury like were you already kind of a fan of the sport? No, not really. Um, being where where I grew up there, uh, north of Fort St. John, um, there was a little bit of basketball, but uh, it was more rural hockey and, and maybe a bit of baseball in the summertime and that sort of thing, and riding horses with the, the, with the ranch and that. Mm-hmm. Do you ever consider, because you liked hockey, uh, something like sledge hockey, or, or is that just something that there wasn't the opportunity, so you know it, it kind of never happened? Um, that was, um, yeah, kind of like what you last touched on there. There wasn't as many opportunities for sledge hockey, especially, uh, in the North, mm-hmm. in the major centers out, out East, there was a little bit more and it was just starting to get going. Now sledge hockey is, uh, is massive in Canada and lots of kids are playing it and that sort of thing. But, um, 25 years ago, it was, uh, it was still fairly new on the Paris sport. Absolutely. Uh, so you start playing, you're playing with your friends and family, you're getting into the sport. Um, when did you recognize or when did somebody, maybe a coach or a friend, whoever it happened to be, recognize that you might have elite level talent in this and that you should uh, maybe, uh, I guess, audition, audition's not the right word, but uh, maybe try for Team Canada? Um, it was after uh, after a few years. I went to some junior camps and, and started to get a little bit more experience. Um, probably, uh, though, uh, when I was about 19, 1920 was when uh, I kind of got identified at some uh, provincial level uh, camps and, and tournaments and playing in the in the club leagues as, hey, why don't you come try out for this national team? Uh, and, and the first couple times, obviously, were just, you know, deer in the headlight, uh, <laughs> kind of shocked being there. But then, uh, you know, the early 2000s, I really had uh, – saw that I had an opportunity there to uh, potentially make the team and, and go to a Paralympics representing Canada. Mm-hmm. So this means you've been to, uh, how many Paralympic Games have you been to now, Bo? Uh, Tokyo was my fourth. Okay, wow. I have to ask, I mean, you know, you're a veteran now. Uh, that's a lot of uh, Paralympic Games to go to. You still get really excited about it, or is it kind of changed from the first time you, where you went, or as you kind of already said, maybe it was a little like being a deer in the headlights. You're like, wow, well, I'm competing for my country on the national stage. Um, yeah, those the first one for sure, you were there. I was there, but I was, I don't know whether I was actually there. You're kind of <laughs> lost in it all and just trying to muddle your way through. But then uh, the last three, you know, uh, I, I've learned to appreciate each one 
for sure. And uh, I still get excited in Tokyo. It's an amazing feeling to roll out there on the court and, and play the best uh, competition in the world, right? Uh, and so, yeah, it's still awesome, and, and I love it. And uh, we'll see. Uh, we have a world championship coming up in about a year in Dubai, and then um, then I'll see whether, whether Paris is in the cards or not. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Wonderful. Uh, now, uh, since the Paralympic Games, uh, and I know you've probably done this a lot more, uh, you know, in other times, right? You came back, you uh, kind of helped out with the um, uh, the Energizers wheelchair basketball team here in town. You're at Bur- Burt Bowes doing a demonstration a couple weeks back. Um, I have to ask you, coaching and mentoring others in the game, I mean, you were obviously uh, coached and mentored when you first started out. How important is that to you? Is that kind of your way of giving back to the game that, uh, you know, it seems to have given you so much? Yeah, I think um, I really do see the value in the the mentoring piece um, for for young disabled people in the north, uh, reaching out and, and touching base there. And uh, there's people that did that for me way back when. And, and then the coaching aspect, yeah, I just I like to help out with that grassroots level and um, and be around the junior kids and and help them and. and make sure that they appreciate and love the game the same way I do. And, uh, and they have a great experience in their first few times out as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess as part of that, I mean, you've been raising money to make sure that wheelchairs are available for people uh, who need them, who, you know, need to get around in life and maybe even play wheelchair basketball. That's also really important to you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I like to be involved within the community. Um, I'm on the board for BC wheelchair basketball, uh, society. So, I still do that, even though I'm out, out east here most of the time. And, uh, yeah, a big piece of what that organization is, is is providing the opportunity for wheelchair basketball to be played for all regions within the province, right? And so uh, working as best we can to facilitate that. Have you seen lots of improvement in your time in uh, terms of opportunity for people and uh, uh, in terms of uh, having availability for people who need chairs? Uh, have you Have you seen that grow and develop in your time? Uh, yeah, I think there has been, been growth for sure. Um, there's way more opportunity now for all different types of parasport than there, than there was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that is, is transferred as well to the regions. There's, there's more opportunity to, to get a track chair or do those types of things, but it's still challenging. Uh, cost is a very big hindrance on the sports side of the equipment and, um, you know, the basic any sort of basic uh, sport equipment roughly $3,000. And then if you start wow. customizing and doing stuff on top of that, it, it goes up drastically. So, um, yeah, for for someone just entering the para sports, uh, whatever it may be, uh, that can be a, a very substantial barrier. Mm-hmm. I want to switch this documentary uh, that's being made about you. I think, uh, I believe they've wrapped up shooting now and they're just going to be putting it together. Uh, but they've been following you for several years now. Uh, what's that been like for you? Uh, well, it's been a pretty cool experience for sure. Um, ben and Christine have, uh, are doing great work, and uh, yeah, they're they're putting it together now. I believe they, there's most things have already been shot, so um, yeah, they got a mountain of footage to kind of go through and that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been really cool. They've been reaching out here and there. It's um, it comes and goes, obviously, right? where uh, especially with the pandemic, there was kind of a little hiatus put on everything and, and, and the course had to change with them not being able to come to Tokyo and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a very neat and uh, cool experience for me. 
What did it feel like when they first approached you with the idea, hey, we'd like to do a documentary about you and follow you around for some time to make it? Were you nervous about it? Were you were you honored? <laughs> How'd you feel? Um, I guess not necessarily nervous about it. It was more somewhere between honored and uh, and surprised, I guess, mm. in that sense, right? Um, didn't really expect it to come around, uh, but, yeah, definitely honored that it is there. And the more I think about it, the... The more, you know, obviously I was always happy about it, but yeah, it's a little shocked that somebody would want to do that about me. But yeah, it's a, it's a very cool opportunity and yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat for sure. Absolutely. Now you were home for a rest. I say rest in scare quotes because I know you were happling out with the ranch. So it was a rest from basketball, I suppose. Uh, but you mentioned the yeah. world championship coming up. Is that uh, kind of what's on your mind next year? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the next piece. Uh, for me so um yeah i've been back in toronto here a couple weeks now getting getting back into the gym and training again uh, after being at west there and then um we'll have a qualifying tournament sometime in maybe june or july uh, i'm not sure where that'll be and that'll be kind of north america mm-hmm. and south america uh, sending all the top teams with the top uh, i believe four being able to qualify to go to the world championship in dubai which will be held in uh, november Excellent. Well, Bo, we're going to make sure we keep up with you on that, and we wish you well, uh, obviously, in the qualifying tournament, and hopefully you can go to the World Championship. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us this morning. Yeah, no, that's great, and uh, yeah, have a great day out there. You take care. That's Bo Hedges, the captain of Team Canada's men's wheelchair basketball team. We'll be right back to wrap things up after this on Moose Talks. Change is constant. At Arctic Welding and Machining, Change has focused on sustainability, using new technologies and solutions to cut our carbon footprint. We've switched to recycled glass blasting material and have upgraded our diesel air compressors to electric to reduce airborne pollutants. For 22 years, Arctic has been on the forefront of industry changes, evolving, upgrading, and remaining fast, friendly, reliable. Visit arctech-welding.com. Parks. Culture, news, business, community. The City of Fort St. John strives to keep you informed about everything going on in the energetic city all year round. Whether it's upcoming community events, construction reminders, project planning, yard waste and recycling, or important info for property owners, the City of Fort St. John will make sure residents are always in the know. To stay up to date, visit fortstjohn.ca. The City of Fort St. John, where nature lives, families flourish, and businesses prosper. If you're looking for hassle-free internet services, call the Peace Region Internet Society today. With coverage throughout most of the Peace, PRIS can get you connected quickly without the hassle of contracts or bundles. Visit PRIS.ca or call 1-800-768-3311 for more information. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Our thanks to our guests, Dr. John Kim and Bo Hedges, for joining us today. We're excited to tell you about a brand new podcast that dropped its first episode yesterday. It's called Before the Peace, and Jenna Moreland and Trey Lopashinsky sit down with a member of the Indigenous community in our region and listen to their stories of history, culture, and more. First episode features Gary Oker, and you can hear it live now at energeticcity.ca slash podcast. While there, you can also check out the new episode of Voices of the Peace with Ted Sloan. He talked to Margaret May. You can also find previous episodes of Moose Talks there as well. The uh, website, again, energeticcity.ca slash 
podcasts. Well, that's our show for today. Trey Lopashinsky is the producer of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. Do you go all out on your Halloween costume? Whether you're an expert at homemade costumes or you painstakingly plan your costume months in advance, Home Hardware and Moose FM want to see your spine-chilling ensembles. From October 25th to November 2nd, submit a photo of yourself, your kid, or you and a group of friends in a costume to moosefm.ca backslash contests. You could win a variety of prizes ranging from a toboggan or $100 to home hardware. For more information, visit our website at moosefm.ca backslash contests. The Home Hardware Costume Contest, powered by Home Hardware and Moose FM. Them. This is Moose Country.
single seat and double cooking chicken on a shovel, taking shots at the man in the moon. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I do. Catch a Sunday morning sermon, praying and a flirting with the girl at the end of the pew. Sometimes I don't, <laughs> well, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I do Blowing a little smoke While the belly boat floats Feeling tick, tick, tickety-boo Sometimes I don't Well, sometimes I do Sometimes I do Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.